This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged In-Depth this week with Dave Rigge, Executive Director of Halifax Transit and Vice Chair of the Canadian Urban Transit Association. Dave, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, Paul. My pleasure. Glad to be here. You know, I don't see this Atlantic time zone thing very often pop up on my calendar, but you guys in Halifax are like ahead of me in Washington, D.C. You're further out in the Atlantic, I guess, huh? Yeah, that's right. We're uh, we're an hour ahead of, uh, of of most of the Eastern uh, Eastern time zone there. Only Newfoundland's ahead of us by half an hour. Uh, that's right. I've heard about that. The half hour, the little island out there or something. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the show. And uh, you and I have, you know, interacted over the years at various CUDA events and things like that. But tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're at. I've kind of used a joke to get us into it, but explain where Halifax is, a little bit about the system itself, the city uh, for the people around the world that maybe aren't familiar with it. Absolutely. So so Halifax is the capital of the Canadian province of Nova Scotia. Uh, we're a city of around 450,000 people uh, right on the Atlantic Ocean. Um we are, yeah, we're located about, uh, if you're driving, about 12 hours north uh, northeast of Boston or about 12 hours east of Montreal. So okay. uh, we are the we are the biggest city in Atlantic Canada. We are the, the regional hub for Atlantic Canada. Um, the nature of Halifax, you know, as a capital city, it's, it's a bit of a government town, lots of universities as well. Um, also home to Canada's uh, Atlantic uh, mil- or Navy Navy base as well. So the Atlantic Fleet ah. for Canada uh, is based out of uh, here in Halifax. So you know it's a very historic city. Um, you know our, our ferry service is the longest continuously operated saltwater ferry service in North America. So now that that's you know back to the 1700s would have been one person on a rowboat uh, compared to where we are today, but. <laughs> What do you have today? Tell us about it. What, what's your uh, what's your system like today? Your ferry system? Yeah. So the ferry system today we uh, we operate two routes uh, originating in downtown Halifax to uh, to the other side of Halifax Harbor. We have uh, uh, two uh, two ferry terminals in what would have been the, the city of Dartmouth on the other side of the harbor. Uh, so operated by five ferries, um, and really, you know, it, it's it's one of those services that really is part of Halifax's identity. You'd be hard pressed to see. Uh, a picture of our downtown skyline with that one of our ferries uh, operating in front of it, and it's really it's that piece of our service that everybody loves. You know, mm. we have a, we have a little tongue in cheek saying, just basically everybody loves the ferry. It's it's a thing that um, you know makes people happy. It's uh, it's a it's a, a double deck vessel, so in the summer the top deck is open. Um, and personally, I commute on the ferry every day, and there's just no better way to start and end your day. Uh, then a boat ride across the harbor. Oh, wow. Like, That's cool, man. And, and so you bring your own, you bring your car on it? No, this is passenger only. Yeah. Passenger, it's passenger only. only ferry. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty short crossing, about 12 minutes to cross okay. the harbor. Um, and uh, in Canada, uh, Halifax and Vancouver are actually the only two cities that have ferries as part of their, uh, as part of their public transportation system. So it is really uh, one of the more unique things uh, that we do operate. That's neat. And you do it with your own employees? Yep. Yep. It's completely operated internally and uh, fully integrated into the system. Uh, it's one fare for both uh, ferries and buses. Oh, uh, that's good. Between the two. So, um, and one of the interesting things we did when we rebuilt the ferry fleet, um, we, we, we were able to do naming contests. So, um, you know, the ferries are named after a diverse slate of uh, historic figures um, as well as um, you know, fallen soldiers from the Canadian military who had uh, passed away in Afghanistan. 
Um, so it's really, you know, it's, it's really a, um, on top of being a great service and something that really is part of our identity, it's a great tribute to a lot of wonderful people as well. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, and then, uh, you have a uh, fixed route bus service. Yes, we do. Yeah. We, we operate, uh, we operate a fixed route bus service, uh, around, uh, 370 buses providing the service. Um, you know, a pretty typical uh, service for uh, for a mid-sized city uh, around, you know, 22 hours a day, seven days a week, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's the interesting thing about Halifax is that it's it's a mixture of urban, suburban and uh, rural communities as well. So we have a fairly, uh, a fairly broad network uh, in terms of how far away we go from downtown, probably, uh, you know, well in excess of what you would normally see in a city of our size. That's interesting. And do you operate the fleet yourself or do you outsource that? We operate ourselves. Yeah. Everything we do around the operation and maintenance of the whole service is all all in house. Yeah. And what kind of vehicles are you operating? Is it um, clean diesel? Are you looking into electric or hydrogen? What's happening there? Yeah. So right now uh, we operate a mixture of 40 foot and uh, 60 foot uh, buses. Um, We have two hybrids. Uh, The rest are all uh, clean diesel at this point. Um, and what, what we are, of course, like most systems, uh, shifting rapidly towards zero emission. Um, we, we did get a tender awarded by, by council earlier this year for our first uh, 60 electric uh, battery electric buses. So uh, really excited for that. And uh, we'll see those arriving here uh, next fall. So battery electric is kind of our first foray. Um, the other really interesting thing, though, is hydrogen and, you know, Battery electric is great. There's, you know, it's going to do fantastic things, but I really do think the next big thing is hydrogen. And that seems to be evolving rapidly, uh, particularly in, in Halifax. There's a lot of big players that are very interested in hydrogen, um, like the Port of Halifax, for example, and uh, you know, some of the local, uh, other local industries. But I think most importantly, we have people who potentially have the, the wherewithal and the resources to actually produce green hydrogen here in Nova Scotia and are looking for customers. So I think for us, that's a really exciting opportunity. Um, You know, Nova Scotia having a very long uh, coastline, lots of opportunities for for wind generated hydrogen uh, or electricity to create hydrogen. So um, while we're heading down the path of battery electric, I'm very bullish that we'll be be leapfrogging to hydrogen quite soon. That's interesting. Yeah, it seems to be the folks I've talked to who are looking into that, um, the, the ability to have someone who can build a plant and create it is, uh, you know, it's a big infrastructure issue. Uh, but some transit agencies have done it, like, you know, Lauren Skyver in Southern California. She's built her own plant and is selling it not only, you know, not only using it for her own fleet, but selling it to the market. So you've got some folks there that would be willing to do that, build some of that infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, how, as you said, having someone that can actually create green hydrogen fuel is, is so crucial because there's really, you know, like like what's the point of going to a fuel like hydrogen if you're if you're burning uh, green if you're creating greenhouse gases to produce the hydrogen? It's kind oh of, right, right. You know, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. So I see like this has ramped up incredibly rapidly over the last couple of years here in Halifax, the interest in the conversation. So um, I think it's 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 happened way quicker than I would have ever expected. So I'm. I'm really excited for the future and, you know, quite confident that within a few years, um, we'll have hydrogen powered buses uh, operating alongside our battery electric buses as we, as we move away from the diesel fleet. 
Yeah, I definitely want to stay in touch with you on that. That's a that's a topic that is uh, top of mind for a lot of transit agencies as, you know, in North America and in Europe, especially, there's been a large push really, I think, you know, coming through the pandemic and, uh, you know, for cities like LA got to see firsthand when there wasn't any cars on the street, you could finally see, you could breathe the air or whatever, you know, not that it's, that it's that bad, but you know what I mean? There was a lot of jokes about that. You know, I could, I could see the sunset. And I think that during that time, people realize that, you know, public transportation can do more than just get people from A to B, right? We can actually be um, uh, a source for good in our in our communities. Part of that would be, you know, through promoting equity and inclusion in our communities, making sure that the routes themselves and the microtransit that we provide, et cetera, make sure that there's no one left behind. Uh, but also on the on the kind of what I call environmental stewardship. You know, we're, we've been given uh, this wonderful world. And we want to make sure we take care of it and that it can last for future generations. And so the interest that a lot of transit agencies have had in zero emission fuels, I think, has been uh, promoted even more because of the pandemic coming out of that, that we really see our role changing. What what do you think of that, Dave? Do you see that happening in your agency as well, that you kind of have shifted your mindset maybe, that it's not just about ridership increases at peak times, but it's other things too? Absolutely. And I think uh, it's interesting, you know, the example of LA, it's interesting how different communities would view the environmental stewardship piece of what we do as a public transit system. Obviously, in LA, you can see the you know, difference in smog levels, or you, you, you see the, the air quality issue on a day-to-day basis. That's very tangible. I mean, here in Halifax, luckily, we don't really have much in the way of air quality issues. Um, what we do have, though, is the fact that we sit right on the Atlantic Sea coast, and we sit right in the path of uh, major storms and hurricanes. And we just had um, what was you know, ostensibly a hurricane, uh, Fiona, just... right. Greens, Halifax, but other parts of the province and other parts of Atlantic Canada really got nailed by it. So for, for, for us, you know, we, we have to look at things like environmental resiliency um, and, you know, the, the impacts of climate change on severe weather, because that, that's really where we're going to see the impact here in Halifax. Our, our city here in Halifax, our council did declare a climate emergency a few years ago. Um, and we have a, a climate, uh, a greenhouse gas or, or climate uh, plan called Halifax, which really lays out the groundwork for things like zero emission vehicles, um, increasing transit usage, um, and, and a multitude of other things. But, you know, it really provides that extra backing or extra support for transit here in Halifax, that it's not just about moving people, it's not just about the economic development that it creates. Um, it, it's also about doing our part to save the planet. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. So you, you mentioned your council a couple times. Are you part of the local government? We are, yes. Yeah, we're, we're a department of the uh, the Halifax Regional Municipality. Okay, very good. And um, uh, you, we also were talking about kind of coming out of the pandemic. I'm interested. Uh, how ha- <laughs> let's let's just go ahead and address the uh, the elephant in the room. How is ridership going? I mean, did you and how was it impacted by the pandemic? And now that you know we're in the fall of 2022, where are you at now? Yeah, so Halifax was an interesting, or Nova Scotia generally was an interesting case during the pandemic. We were one of the few jurisdictions in North America that was actually able to largely achieve a COVID zero approach rather than managing COVID. Um, so, you know, like everybody else in the early days of the first wave, I mean, we were running a skeleton service. You know, we might have been down to about 10% of our regular ridership. Um, but since then, I think because of the very low levels of COVID that we had, especially in the first 
first you know half or so of the pandemic, um, we were able to recover more quickly than a lot in the country. I mean, today we're sitting around uh, low to mid eighties and uh, percentage of pre-COVID ridership. Yeah. So you know we are recovering quite well. I think what we're realizing is, and what we're starting to see now is, we've probably recovered most of the people that are still commuting to work every day. Okay. You know, I think we're past the point about worrying that, or oh, are people going to come back because they, they're afraid transit's not safe or not clean or whatever. Like we're, we're past that point. And now we're actually seeing that, you know, 15% of our ridership simply isn't traveling anymore to work. So therefore we cannot actually, you know, get them to use transits. Uh, like, as I mentioned earlier, you know, big government town. So, you know, more likely to have folks working from home, things like oh, that. Right. Uh, so, so I think like, like that's where we have to look at, you know, more creative ways to, to bring people into transit because some of our customer base simply is gone and won't be back. And I think that's, that's the realization we as, as transit operators have to come to. Yeah. And, and I think that's a time to have that conversation about equity and inclusion in our communities. You mentioned that your buses go further out of the city than a lot of uh, transit agencies might because you're doing that, right? You're making sure that you include everyone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so so Halifax, you know, like I say, Halifax is actually, uh, although it's the biggest city, the biggest municipality in Nova Scotia, we're also the largest rural municipality in Nova Scotia. So, um, you know, that's you know that that certainly brings uh, you know in- interesting set of challenges for service that tends to be uh, largely uh, largely urban focused at most places. So. Um, you know, what we do is, you know, within the rural areas, particularly the rural commuter shed, these are the areas where, uh, it's, although it's a rural area, they're close enough to, to downtown that they, they're likely commuting into the city. So, you know, we operate a network of park and ride sites outside of the city, uh, our regional express services, um, and, and that's all slated to bring people in from some of these rural areas as well. Um, you know, not to say that's all rosy, I mean, the, the rural areas certainly do uh, pose a lot of challenges uh, in terms of service delivery, you know, things like, like low density, uh, very widely dispersed population. So, you know, that, that's something we're constantly working on. Um, and, uh, but the park and ride, the park and ride system in place now certainly has, has had some great success. That's great. And you've been there at Halifax uh, for, at the regional municipality for quite a while, right? Tell us a little bit about your career journey. Yeah, so so I've been with uh, with the municipality for 15 years. Um, all of that time was has been spent with Halifax Transit. Um, worked in uh, in consulting for a few years. Uh, actually lived in uh, in Toronto uh, for a few years before that. Uh, yeah, so I mean I've I've uh, been here 15 years. Uh, joined HRM uh, Halifax as a as a project manager. Uh, really had a great opportunity to work on, you know, some of those regional park and ride services, uh, service plans, uh, infrastructure, um, all those sorts of things. Um, it was funny, actually, when I was, so when I was going to university here during like my master's degree, um, I had written an email to to transit back then complaining about one of the terminals that was on my commute and really a miserable experience. And when I first, when I first started working here, my very first job, uh, my, my boss came in and said, hey, we found this email. Guess what your first project is? Go fix that terminal. So, you know, it was it was really cool. And just an opportunity for all the uh, for all the years I commuted through the, the, the bridge terminal, it's called, um, and, and kind of cursed it. Uh, I actually got a chance to, to lead the project to replace it. And now it's a, it's a magnificent facility, uh, indoor waiting areas, the whole bit. So, um, you know, real, really fun to get to, to do those sorts of things. It's awesome, so, man. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so you know, worked with that as a project manager for a while. Um, eventually became uh, the manager of planning and scheduling here. I uh, did that for about five years. Uh, you know, again, I had the opportunity to, to really, um, having come from the project side of the organization, had an opportunity to really dig into more of the uh, the day to day scheduling infrastructure and that sort of thing. Um, you know, had that's a great a, team there. That's a good background, I think, to have to become the executive director. You know, Kevin Quinn, who leads the transit agency on the other side of Canada, yes. uh, you know, used to work with me in Baltimore as our director of planning uh, and then went up and became administrator, CEO, and now, you know, now leads TransLink there in Vancouver. But I think it's a great because you get to understand all the routes and how they impact the community. That's a really good kind of um, way, uh, you know a way station on your way to becoming a CEO of an agency. Would you agree? It really is. And I think the other two things it really gives you exposure to is is the budgeting side of things. Right. That role, I was responsible for our capital budget. So, uh, you know, wonderful experience. Um, But the other big piece is that's the role where you're really involved in the politics of it. And, you know, you get to know the municipal counselors, you get to build those relationships. So, um, you know, about seven years ago now, I became the executive director. Uh, the political side of it wasn't new to me. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of a different angle when you move into a role of executive director, but, you know, I knew a lot of the politicians. Um, I, I had a good sense of the political issues and uh, I had the relationships with them to help make the transition into my current role. So, um, it, yeah, it's really, I've been really fortunate to have those, those abilities to step up through my career. Um, yeah, so about seven years ago, the opportunity, uh, you know, my predecessor moved uh, out to Edmonton to head up the, the transit system. Uh, oh, who was that? Uh, Eddie Robar. Eddie, my buddy. One point before, yeah. yeah, I love uh, Eddie. He's awesome, yeah. man. Worked with Eddie for many, many years. And, uh, you know, he had, he's had a great, uh, great impact on my career. And I really was fortunate to learn a lot from him. So, um, yeah, when, when he uh, made the move out west, the opportunity came up. Um, and, uh, successful in getting into the opportunity and uh you know it, it was really something actually because i think i uh i was announced as the permanent executive director and then a week later we actually hosted the uh, the, the cuda conference oh wow <laughs> so it was kind of like a uh the timing couldn't have worked out better uh, yeah. you know it's uh it's been the most fascinating job i think you could probably ask for even in regular times, never mind managing, uh, leading a transit system through something like COVID. I think that's, um, you know, that's uh, just been an incredible experience. Um, it really, it really helps test the boundaries of the team you've assembled. And, and you know, my and couldn't be happier with how my team uh, came through the pandemic. Uh, I, I recall, uh, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, it was one of those super stressful days. And I was at home just kind of talking to my wife about everything that was going on. And she looked at me and said, you know, Dave, uh, no matter what happens in your career, nobody can ever say it was boring. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Bang on. And, uh, you know, one of the great things about working in an industry like transit, never boring. That's right. Well, listen, Dave, it's been great talking to you about some of the wonderful things you're doing there in Halifax. I can't wait to see you again, hopefully maybe in Saskatoon for the next uh, CUTA conference next year in the spring. Hope to be there. Uh, and uh, I definitely will hope you will keep us in tune with what's happened with your hydrogen uh, fuel project. I think that's got a lot of promise, not only for you, but for uh, the nation of Canada and for you know North America, at least. And a lot of transit agencies are very interested in that. And you being one of the ones out front, I think they'll look to you to kind of some of the lessons learned, et cetera. That's great. No, I'm happy to do so, Paul, and I appreciate the chat today. Lots of fun. 
hope you're enjoying this episode of Transit Unplugged, the podcast. How would you like to see behind the scenes footage of the agencies that Paul visits? Then be sure to check out the new Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube, where transit evangelist Paul Comfort dives into the culture, the food, and the transit of major cities around the world. You'll see the operations control centers, how maintenance shops work, and the latest innovations taking place at agencies around the globe as we work together to improve the lives of our transit riders and our communities. Be sure to subscribe to Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube or at transitunplugged.com. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged In-Depth with our special guest, Dave Rigi, Executive Director of Halifax Transit. And coming up next week on Transit Unplugged News and Views, we have the first of two special interviews with some of Mass Transit's 40 Under 40 winners. These are always great interviews, talking with people who are at the forefront of transit and the forefront of transit's next generation of leaders. Don't forget to go to transitunplugged.com to sign up for the newsletter so you're always in the loop with everything that's going on with the podcast and the TV show. In the meantime, if you'd like to ask a question, comment, or be a guest on the show, feel free to email us at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.